Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com I'm Kylie Camps, owner of the kind parenting company, wife, proud mom of twin boys and happiness advocate. This podcast is a place for women who want more from life. It's your time to cultivate more self-care, compassion, happiness, love, and confidence. Let's have real conversations to help you feel better, choose better, and live your best life. Welcome to episode 31. This episode is with one of my all-time favorite guests, Dr. Libby Quinn, we take a bit of a dive into the topic of perfectionism and how it can show up in our life and just how it can affect us in so many different ways. Perfectionism is such a unique topic to speak about because at first you might think that perfectionism is one thing, but once you start uncovering it a little bit more, you can see that it really does show up in many different ways in your life and it just it doesn't always mean that you're doing everything perfect sometimes perfectionism can show up as inactivity and an inability to do things it's really really interesting so i hope you enjoy this episode before we dive into it though i wanted to share with you this week's sponsor of the podcast is the beautiful team at hc medical HC Medical is a clinic located on the Gold Coast, specializing in all sorts of beauty treatments and wellness treatments as well. They also have an amazing website which stock a range of skincare and beauty products as well as other health and well-being products. Now, one of my favorite products from HC Medical is their lip plumper. I've shared it before on Instagram. It's an amazing product. It really works. It is just very, very effective and I've put a lot of my girlfriends onto it and they love it as well. Now, HC Medical have provided us with a discount code and that code is Kylie for 15% off orders that are over $50. So that's Kylie as the discount code to receive 15% off your order as long as it's over $50. I'll pop the website in the show notes as well so you can access that easily. Now, let's get stuck into the episode with Dr. Libby Quinn. So thanks so much for joining us, Libby. I really, really appreciate you taking more time out of your valuable day to share some really helpful content with our community. The last time you were on the podcast, our listeners absolutely loved it, and I'm sure this will be no different. For anyone who hasn't yet, jump over and listen to episode 24 when you get a chance, because Libby and I really explore some important topics we talk about core beliefs and it just, we cover so many different things, but definitely worth a listen. So before we dive into today's topic, for those who might not know who you are just yet, can you give us a quick little intro into who you are and what exactly it is that you do? For sure, Kylie. And yeah, thank you so much for having me back again. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed our last podcast and I think this one will be also quite juicy and hopefully really helpful and meaningful to your listeners as well. So 
I am Dr. Libby Quinn. I'm a clinical psychologist. I'm known over on Instagram as the women's psychologist. I have a Bachelor of Psychological Science with honours and I've also completed a doctorate in clinical psychology. I'm a smart cookie. (laughs) Not really. It's just putting in the hard yards, but it's been worth it. Um, So, yeah, I have been working in private practice solely for 10 years and it was just at the start of this year that I created the Women's Psychology Clinic, which is based here in northern New South Wales, and that was really born out of my profound passion for just the, I'm just totally in awe of us as women, really. I think being a woman myself and for the main part working with women, I've come to really appreciate just how incredible we are in terms of our ability to develop skills, but also I think acknowledging that we just as women, we have unique experiences at every life stage, also our unique physiology, and all of this interacts to mean that we have unique challenges, but we also have a unique skill set. And I'm really passionate about just helping women to understand that and optimize their psychological well-being. Mm, and I love that because all too often, I think, you know, we kind of cop a bad rap, like women are emotional, women are this, women are that, but really we are powerhouses and we have so many oh. sides of our personalities. And yeah, I think it's so amazing that you really celebrate that and you've focused in and made a really successful career out of helping women to tap into all of those different sides and energies. Thank you. Yes, I think we're we're absolutely on the same page with our love for women. <laughs> yeah. So today we thought it could be cool to speak with our community about perfectionism and how it affects us as women. And I think it's such a big topic and it's kind of one that, you know, there are so many different angles we could take with this. But for so many of us in particular as mums, we're often just our own worst enemy and we put our own really high standards on ourselves whether that's parenting or, you know, it can also apply to us at work or even in relationships. Can you explain what you mean when you talk about the concept of perfectionism? Yeah, so absolutely. Perfectionism is, it's a term I would use to describe, it's a cluster of thoughts, it's emotions and it's behavioural patterns, which all link together. And it's essentially a drive that we have to want to do and be better. Um, we essentially unknowingly under the surface, we want to do things perfectly. And I would say that this is, or I wouldn't even say we do know it's one of the core beliefs that we touched on in the previous podcast episode that we did. Um, so it's a core belief. It's a story that people struggle with and it sits in our subconscious underneath the surface. Um, and it's essentially this inner voice where we might unknowingly again be overly critical and it's trying to push us to keep doing more in different life areas and what comes with that is we're also essentially we're not being satisfied with our achievements so there's three types it's a never-ending quest it's never-ending yeah someone talks about it it's like this um, you know, you're trying to reach the summit of a, of a mountain. So you keep pushing yourself to reach the top and you might actually even get to the top, but then suddenly another mountain appears. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, the pursuit is, is endless and we kind of don't recognize this. 
there's three types of perfectionism that we talk about in clinical psychology. So it's one, the main one is self-prescribed. So it's the standards that you hold yourself to. Another one is what is socially prescribed. So it's what we feel others expect of us. And, you know, so you might go, oh, I see so-and-so mothering in this way, you know, on Instagram or whatever it might be. And that's the right way to do it. So, and I'm going to measure myself against that and, oh, I'm falling short of that. So I need to strive to meet that standard. A third one where perfectionism plays out in our mind is also we, if we have this core belief of perfectionism under the surface, we're potentially holding others to these unrealistic standards. So that's when we, you know, say we um, put our order in at the coffee shop and that order goes missing and, you know, we might say to ourselves, oh, that person should know better. Like, why can't they just do their job properly? We're, we're holding someone to these unrealistic standards where um, we're failing to see someone as a human. And that mm. probably in simple terms, that's how I would really define perfectionism is we're failing to see ourselves as human and others as human. And I think oh, there are so many thoughts just listening to you, <laughs> particularly even saying, you know, is it the socially prescribed? Did you say yes? Yeah. So, yep. but even even though that is a social thing and it's something that we're looking outward, that really is still an intrinsic um, takeaway, yeah. isn't it? Because even though it's yes. out there out in the world, it's how you perceive it and take mm. it. Because you can look at someone and go, oh, mm. that's how. Jenny's parenting or whatever it might be or that's how quickly Susie bounced back from having a baby (laughs) but it's you're putting the meaning in so there's still some level Mm. of self-prescription there isn't it even though Uh, it's a social thing big time that's a really good point Kylie it's it's something we then internalize and the interesting thing about the socially prescribed perfectionism and there's research to support this is that not surprisingly we have seen a rise in this over the past 10 to 15 years, um, particularly with the introduction of social media. So if you think about, mm-hmm. crazy to think, there once was a time where social media didn't exist. Um, and there's research now demonstrating that with the introduction of social media and um, how that's all being portrayed at times, it's also leading to this subsequent rise in this socially prescribed perfectionism where someone will compare themselves to someone else and then internalize that they measure themselves against that but you're absolutely right you internalize that it's so interesting isn't it Mm. and it's one of those things that we do just have to be super aware of because we can't Mm. go around throughout our day with our eyes closed because yes there obviously was the world before social media but then it was magazines like I can remember yeah absolutely my first job when I was 15 or so all of the tabloid magazines that was where you would look to for your inspiration like yeah. girls that I went to school with would cut photos out from magazines and it would be all about the celebrity culture whereas now it's much more about the influencer mm. social media type thing but I just think it's really interesting and also type number three where you spoke about holding other people to your standard mm. of perfectionism I have definitely experienced this in my own life where if someone really is like a massive perfectionist, it's so hard to um, form friendships and connections because no one can ever be, like no one can ever live up to that standard. No, 
That's exactly it. And, you you know, you've hit a really good point there because that's what the research also demonstrates us. And I find this so fascinating. And I suppose it's what gives me so much empathy for any one of us that have struggled with perfectionism is that perfectionism comes from a place of someone deep within their core feeling that they are not good enough, that they're not enough. So the way that they have tried to manage those deep core feelings underneath is to try and strive for perfectionism. And so then what we see on the surface when we come across someone who's got this very strongly is these behavioral patterns of perfectionism, which actually, yeah, as other individuals, we don't warm to that. We don't see their very human side. We see this kind of perfectly curated um side of them which isn't very engaging so a perfectionist is trying to do these things to get acceptance and validation and to feel better within themselves under their core but it actually pushes people away Mm, yeah because vulnerability obviously is much easier to connect with if Mm. someone's going to be vulnerable and open and say hey look I do have these wounds you know then that's such a human way that you can actually connect and form a true friendship or true relationship. So I think that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, And I know that perfectionism can have its place in terms of you can have more of a healthy relationship with striving to be better and do better and those sorts of things, and it can motivate you to perform at a higher level. Um, But you just, I guess, don't want to be set up for unrealistic expectations So how does perfectionism manifest in people's life on a day-to-day basis? That is a great question. And, yeah, I suppose it's, you know, you've hit an interesting point there firstly just around sometimes when I talk to people about, okay, perfectionism isn't helpful, these unrelenting standards aren't helpful, and people who have perfectionism quite strongly get really anxious because to them they're hearing, oh, so I've got to let go of striving, I've got to let go of giving up essentially achieving yeah 100% and that's not it either you know there's such a thing as healthy striving and yeah we can talk more on that later but that's essentially what we want to be working towards which is a nice balance between recognizing yourself as a human um, and being adaptable but also striving for things so in terms of how does it manifest on a day-to-day basis for people what we would commonly see is, I suppose, in someone's thoughts, there's a lot of critical, you know, negative critical thinking that's happening in their mind of, oh, I'm not doing this good enough. Um, oh, I didn't, you know, write that chapter in my next book well enough. I've got to go back and do that again. Or um, I didn't, you know, cook breakfast properly. I can do better again tomorrow. So there's there's this constant sense of just not good enough is the mainstay of their thoughts and what comes with that is they need to keep pushing they feel they need to keep achieving um like I said before they are also dissatisfied with their achievements so they don't acknowledge what they're already doing um achieving absolutely yeah so I mean if you use the example of say someone who is um trying to get fitter or healthier who has this perfectionistic core belief and say they've already started up training three or four times a week Um, They might be trying to incorporate more vegetables into their diet. So really great positive changes. But if they've got the perfectionistic thinking, they're going to view that and just go, oh, but that's not enough. Like so-and-so is doing this or this is the standard I hold myself to. So I've got to keep doing. So they just can't enjoy what they are already 
achieving. So what yeah. we would comment, sorry, what were you about to say? No, I was just going to say it's so interesting because as someone who I would identify as a little bit type A personality, <laughs> someone who does does like to strive, but I also yeah. feel like though, um, I have other sides of me, but I do like to strive and have high mm. standards. But being a perfectionist really is, in my opinion, just being the gatekeeper of pleasure. Like you're stopping mm. yourself from really, really enjoying life because you have mm. such high standards. So I just think it's a really interesting thing to be aware of is, mm. you know, it's great to strive, but trying to be perfect all the time is literally stopping you from experiencing joy and pleasure in so many moments absolutely it, it sucks the joy out of life but the thing is about perfectionism is that it's really reinforcing so you know if you set yourself the goal and um, say yep I want to do better at this and then you reach that goal and you get that positive emotional response from that then that you've just sent your brain the message of ah. Oh, when I push myself, <laughs> I get a positive result. So therefore, I've just got to keep pushing. I've just got to keep doing more. So it's quite reinforcing. And I would have to say within the practice of clinical psychology, it's probably one of the most prolific um, experiences that individuals have. And it's probably one of the hardest ones to try and shift. But it's it's possible all the same. Um and just coming back to what we were saying before about other ways it manifests is, and I may have touched on this in the other episode, but the interesting thing about perfectionism is sometimes a behavioral manifestation of that is inaction. I was going to bring this up with you because <laughs> perfectionism can be crippling to the point where people don't want to do anything uh, if they can't get it right. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I think for those listening that have toddlers or young children, mm. if you've noticed that you have a young child with a perfectionist streak, you might be nodding along going, yes, I've noticed this, like little little Danny mm. won't partake in an activity unless yes. he knows that they can nail it. So that yes. they literally not do the activity unless they can do it perfectly. And yes. The same as us as adults, right? 100%. Yeah, that and what we often see is someone may have been, you know, maybe we could say almost like an active perfectionist where they've gone through this cycle of really pushing themselves and um, gotten positive reinforcement from that, but then potentially they've burnt out um, or they or some other life, life circumstances happen that's gotten in the way of them taking the action they normally would. So they fall back into this place of um, not doing anything at all. But what's still under the surface is the self-criticism, the self-perfectionism, the, the striving for what I should be doing. Yeah, absolutely. And that prevents them from taking just one small step. And so in your experience, when you have women coming into your clinic, do a lot of women come in and say, hey, Dr. Libby, I am a struggling perfectionist? Or are they coming in and saying, I'm struggling with dit, 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 and you need to dig deeper to help them uncover they have this belief surrounding being perfect? Yeah, 100%. I would say it's very rare that I would have a woman come into my clinic and say, I'm struggling with perfectionism. I actually okay. can't even recall if that's ever happened. <laughs> I think yeah. it's more the case that women come in and they present with, you know, the this is the side effects of perfectionism and this is why I'm really passionate about 
educating people that perfectionism it's harmful is the side effects is is that women come in presenting with really high stress levels that strong feeling of overwhelm um, of anxiety and depression and so then once we're saying okay well this is the surface level stuff that's happening what are your core beliefs what's going on under the surface what's your mind saying and pretty quickly we can uncover oh, okay there's self-criticism there where does that come from? Oh, okay, that comes from I'm not good enough or it comes from, you know, I was told as a kid that I wasn't able to get love and affection unless I achieved well at school or whatever it might be. So, yeah, I would say women rarely present with I have perfectionism, but we can pretty quickly get to that place of understanding that, that that's what's happening. And so some of those symptoms, like you mentioned, would be anxiety perhaps trouble unwinding probably trouble sleeping because I know for myself you know and I'm sure all the women listening as well we have 20 million tabs Mm. opened at all times and it's hard to just show up in all those areas in life let Mm. alone try and freaking dominate and be perfect so yes that pressure would be crumbling and you would feel anxious and fearful and worried and like a failure Absolutely. And it's just a lot of women really report. It's this sense of um, I don't have enough time. Um, And, you know, understandably in this modern day and age, we're all trying to blend lots of different things in our lives and managing the needs of our children and our own needs and whatever else might be happening. So time is sparse, but time is even more sparse when you're trying to hold yourself to unrealistic expectations so it's that Mm. that heavy feeling of pressure that you're talking about yeah and so with that with those core beliefs surrounding having to be perfect a lot of those obviously stem from childhood so I imagine when you're working with women you start unpacking what their childhood was like and all of those things and once Once a client has an awareness, okay, yes, as a child, I did believe I had to be perfect for whatever reason. How do you sort of reverse engineer? Like, how do you start to change (laughs) that belief? Like, do you do you encourage people to be a bit shit in some areas? Like, (laughs) what do you do? How do you how do you change things? Yeah, in in simple terms, yes, that's that's a good a good goal of therapy. Absolutely, well, yeah. The the reason I say that, Libby, is our our beautiful boys. There have been yeah. different times when one in particular presents has presented to kind of have this streak of just wanting to be perfect. And so, mm. one of the things that I realized was I really need to model, and I actually do yes. this um, without without intention because I'm super clumsy, but. I need to model accidents in front of him. Yeah. So, you know, I remember then I reversed out the driveway at our old place and I scraped the whole front of my car. And I was like, oh, awesome. This is an opportunity to show him yeah. that it's okay. And so like, I got him out of the car and I was like, look, buddy, like we all make mistakes and it's fine. Or, you know, if I drop a plate, I'm like, hey, guys, look what mom, like really just, and that's very simple, obviously for adults, it's different things. But I know that, for myself like modeling the shortcomings and being okay with Mm. shortcomings was such a big game changer for our son so Mm. I just imagine as a as a woman if I was coming to you and saying I'm I feel like I can't breathe because I have all this pressure Mm. on myself how do I practically 
start to let go in some areas of life without having a full panic attack and thinking the world's going to end? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really good question. And I think a part of it is like what you say, what you've been role modeling to your son is this idea of, you know, they talk about doing these kind of behavioral experiments with ourselves. So being able to say, I'm going to aim to do 25% less, what would that look like? And Mm. I'm actually going to try and aim for that. And a part of that is setting yourself up knowing it will be uncomfortable. So maybe it's starting with something that you feel might be somewhat achievable, breaking it down into small chunks and saying, I'm going to aim to do 25% less here um, and I'm going to tolerate the discomfort that might come up because I'm used to really pushing myself. I'm going to notice that emotion, allow it to be there. And I'm also going to acknowledge or try to acknowledge in that moment or afterwards, what are the positives of doing 25% less? So can you can we go a little deeper on this topic? So 25% less, say, for example, someone's putting a lot of pressure on themselves in, we'll just go parenting. Um, yep. 25% less, are you saying more like, okay, you know what, you don't actually have to hand make all of the muffins from scratch. Yes. You, you can get the 12-pack at the Coles Bakery. Like, yes. Like sort of pulling back. Yeah, it can look like a whole range of different things. It can be really creative, but it's just almost taking a step back and assessing the behaviors you're engaging in, in one domain of life potentially, and just going, can I let that one go or can I do it differently? Can I expel less effort? And sure, maybe I may not be feeling perfect in this area, but it's good enough. And Yeah, it's it's just trying to be creative of where you can maybe let some things go altogether or expend less effort um, and learning to tolerate that. Because a lot of it is if you've been someone who's had perfectionism and that's been that very active form of perfectionism where you've gotten reinforcement for it, you actually probably haven't had lots of experience around tolerating doing things imperfectly. <laughs> mm. And with that, you probably – sorry – There you go. I was just going to say, with that, you also probably haven't experienced, like what you were saying before, Kylie, the relaxation and the pleasure and the time that frees up for you by being less perfect. Like you you probably haven't had much of that experience in life. Mm, And so I was just going to say, how do women know if something is one thing that like, how do you know if it's just something that you enjoy and you're happy to do versus something that you're putting an enormous amount of pressure on? And so the reason I ask this question is I'm very relaxed with housework. Like I, yeah. I, <laughs> I'm right there with you. <laughs> I, you know what, Libby? I take a near enough is good enough approach. Yes. Like th- things are hygienic. We good here. Don't yeah. over the Lego and the Pokemon. Yes. And, you know, I just. I can operate and I can live my life with a bit of clutter and a bit of chaos still. Like it doesn't, it doesn't derail me. But then I have friends who they have to have their house perfect, but Mm. they enjoy that. They say, Mm. I enjoy having things a certain way. And Mm. on the outside, it's really easy for me to go, oh, that's a perfectionism streak. But if someone's saying to you, I really enjoy having Mm. all of the zips on my cushions facing down (laughs) and I enjoy having everything perfect yeah how you know how do you know when it's a problem or if it's a a problem that's that's a really good question and I would say um 
I suppose, yeah, from a clinical perspective, I would say perfectionism is always something to be concerned about in terms of it may not be problematic at that point in time, but if you keep repetitiously engaging in that behaviour, it might just take one stressful life event um, or something to happen where that then pushes into a range of clinical significance where Mm. it causes more distress than it does cause joy. Joy. So, yeah. It's an interesting, as you were talking then, I was just thinking that, you know, even though I say I'm very relaxed with housework and I am, there are things that I do in other areas of my life to keep myself relaxed and fluid, such as, Mm. this is something I've not spoken about before, but as someone who I had quite a severe eating disorder in my early 20s and also a real obsession with exercising off all the calories and everything like that, and now, I mean, it's 12 years on, which is scary, but (laughs) I'm in such a good place with food and exercise, Mm. but I still actively put things in place to ensure that I can't be perfect so what I mean by that is I don't commit to a certain amount of gym sessions Mm -hmm. I don't commit to training I don't commit to classes and Mm. I also don't do the same amount of time on the stair mill or the treadmill each time Mm. because I don't I don't want that to become a thing where I have a standard yeah a a perfectionist standard that I have to Mm. reach that so I purposefully make myself jump off at 17 minutes rather than going, oh, yeah. I have to be 20. So yeah. I think it's learning that I probably do have that perfectionist trait within me, but I've learned that there are I have to take actions to relax mm-hmm. it so that I know it's fine. So. Yeah, and, and that's a really good point. So it's, I mean, if you're in a place right now for, for anyone listening and you're noticing, oh, okay, maybe I do like to have my house, you know, totally free of any mess or or clutter and really clean and I've got to have the cushions facing the right way and I really enjoy that that makes me feel good um I would say that's completely real for you and and that's wonderful but I would be concerned that that could that balance could tip at any point um and also if you've got children maybe what that's role modeling to them um not in a way to make anyone feel guilty for that but just being aware of exactly what you're saying there Kylie there's little things we can do just slightly so that we're not in this space of perfectionism so whether that's saying I'm going to have three zips facing up and one facing down today and that's going to make me feel uncomfortable but I'm going to learn to tolerate that and then maybe I might um you know leave some books out Learn to not catastrophize it. It is what it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, don't yeah. make it a massive thing. I think that that's what I learned yes, from my it's habits minimizing of exercising is, yeah. Yeah, is keep it in perspective. Like, yes. You know, so making yourself uncomfortable sometimes is a really good thing for the, for the greater good, isn't it? Absolutely. And I think with that, like a key strategy with understanding your own perfectionism is being able to write down what are the advantages and disadvantages of staying in that perfectionistic loops. Because that you might notice the real advantage of it of, oh, well, I'm really fit or um, my nutrition's really on point all the time and I feel great from that or my house is always really spotless and that makes me feel good. So sure, they might be advantages, but I can guarantee you there's disadvantages to holding yourself to such a high standard all the time. You know, a, a perfectionism, it's it's unrelenting. So 
the disadvantages can be things like it's taking up more time that maybe you could spend playing with your kids. Um, it's taking up lots of energy and worry, you know, trying to get your nutrition on point that it prevents you from eating chocolate or an ice cream out with friends that again, it's that joy factor. Um, mm. So it's just helping, again, maybe it's like a journal activity where you just write down, well, what are the advantages and disadvantages of this perfectionism? Yeah, and that would probably appeal to most perfectionists, their logical <laughs> and analytical brain. Because they will Let me write this down. Exactly. Give me a good pros and cons list and we're almost yes. like we, can, we can make a choice from there. Yeah, um, definitely. Just, I, I imagine, or not I imagine, I know, there just has to be some sort of level of self-compassion as mm. well, right? Mm. Like you just have to, have to just go a little easier on yourself. Um, and that, yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say, can you sort of explain the importance of self-compassion and also the difference between self-esteem and self-compassion? Yes, this is so good. Self-compassion is, oh, it's probably one of my favourite topics at the moment because it's so interesting and self-compassion fits so nicely into looking after ourselves with perfectionism because if we think about perfectionism and if that's running the show it means that we're actually viewing ourselves as a robot essentially (laughs) self-compassion it allows us to view ourselves as human and that's what we are so just by the very nature of being human it means we can't be perfect But perfectionism comes into play because it's trying to, someone once described perfectionism as it's, um, you're trying to perfect your imperfect self. Yes. So you're trying to force yourself, say, for example, you're naturally a triangle, you're trying to make yourself square. That's exactly it. So, you know, when we can truly recognize, okay, I'm human and that means I'm flawed And this is universal, like this is a universal phenomenon that we all make mistakes. We, you know, we're all flawed in our own ways. Perfectionism, it's a unicorn that we cannot grab a hold of. It's not true. It simply doesn't exist. So self-compassion, it firstly starts with recognizing just how human you are. And we all are as a collective. It's about developing this really encouraging supporting relationship you have with yourself and it's got nothing to do with your achievements and I imagine surrounding yourself with people that you can be honest and vulnerable with because Mm. I know for myself for me to be able to go oh I'm actually feeling xyz or feeling whatever it is in a safe place and someone else can turn around Mm. and say oh I feel that way as well you Mm. sort of do start to understand oh none of us are perfect yes and and it's fine Yes. And it's so um, life-giving when we do that. You know, it's being able to share our vulnerabilities and that allows other people to share their vulnerabilities. And then pretty quickly, we all realize we all are, in fact, connected. (laughs) We all Mm. are, in fact, human. And that's so incredibly reassuring. And so So, then that covers self-compassion. And then what about self-esteem? Yes. So the difference between self-compassion and self-esteem is that self-esteem it's actually based on what we are achieving so our self-esteem develops based on these external factors um and it's basically you know we we can we all have self-esteem sometimes that's high sometimes that's low but it is largely to do with what we are or are not doing 
And it's not to say that we shouldn't have self-esteem, that we need to try and get rid of self-esteem because, again, that's not possible. But it's acknowledging that your self-esteem, it's generally going to be tied to a core belief. It's going to be tied to your ego. It's going to be tied to your stories. Um, So it's good to acknowledge that and to allow our self-esteem to be there. But it cannot be the only place that you relate to yourself or that you operate from. So that's where self-compassion comes in. I would say that, you know, I I truly believe that in order to have really sustainable, long-term, really good psychological well-being, we all need to operate from a place of self-compassion. I agree. I think empathy and self-compassion are Mm. just so underrated and so needed, particularly as women as well as being vulnerable and connecting with other women just to know that we're not alone in our experience. But I really think the whole topic of perfectionism is so interesting. Mm. And I just wanted to, I guess, touch on the key takeaways from this conversation that I personally have taken away and for our listeners as well. So if you are struggling with feeling anxious or having trouble, I guess, quietening your mind or you're just feeling like there's too much pressure that could be an indication that you've got that core belief that being perfect is really important is that right yes yeah absolutely yeah are there any other symptoms that you wanted to or side effects that you wanted to add to that as well for for our listeners to know whether or not it could be something that they might want to explore yeah I would say it's just maybe just taking a step back Um, and trying to look at yourself and your life and the way that you operate objectively and just trying to have a think about, am I really um, trying to do more than what is actually possible? Like, am I trying to do so much that my stress levels are just really unbearable? And is that, yeah. And, and is it leaking out in ways like I know for myself, I've, I like to say that I'm a recovered perfectionist, <laughs> but there's still, there's still like this residual thought pattern that can, you know, it's, it's there. Under, and if I don't engage the right strategies that can come to the surface and, and operate again. And when that does, because I'm human, <laughs> um, my stress leaks out that I might be more short with the children or my husband, like there's irritability. Um, Mm. you know, that's probably a big one that I think as women, we might demonstrate and we might go, oh, well, it's just because I'm so busy or I'm doing X, Y, and Z, but that's probably a good cue that there's that perfectionism under the surface. I wonder too, if jealousy or envy could be, you know, if you find yourself continually feeling jealous of other women or, you know, that could be another indicator that you've you're just putting way too much pressure on yourself because it's that what you're perceiving that other person to have or their life to be like. Yes, definitely. And that comes in with that whole um, socially prescribed perfectionism, doesn't it? You know, we're witnessing these other people and we're like, oh, that's what I want or that's what I should be like. And it comes back, you know, a great way to kind of perfectionism is coming back to that place of assessing what you value as an individual and operating from that because as we've discussed maybe on the previous podcast Kylie like we all can form our own definition of or our own recipe or template for happiness and that's unique it has nothing to do with what anyone else is doing Um, and when you come from that place of being value driven there's less likely to be that sense of 
comparing yourself to others or that sense of pressure as yeah, well. Absolutely. It's so interesting. And then the next thing, the next takeaway that I had was trying to do 25% less. Yes. Yeah, that's that's a key one. Or even as we said, having to think again about your behaviours or this pressure you're trying to put on yourself to, yeah, cook everything from scratch or have the house neat and tidy and thinking, is there one thing within this that I can let go of and mm. learn to tolerate the discomfort that will come with that, but also look at what does that free up for me? Yeah, like, you know, you know it could be as simple as tomorrow I'm not going to stress if the beds aren't made. I'm going to actually use that five to ten minutes to play a quick round of hide and seek with the kids. Yeah. Like, you know, what's the payoff here and what's really yes. important? Yes, yeah. that's exactly it. Yeah. And I think, too, it's so interesting thinking back to our childhoods. I know for myself I had a mum. I have a mum. <laughs> um, <laughs> and she was always very much play came before the housework mm. and I think that's why I'm I'm so able to leave the dishwasher unpacked yes leave, leave crap everywhere and still get out of the house but if you grew up in a house where everything mm. had to be perfect before you were allowed pleasure it's going to be harder to break that mold but it's all just about awareness and yeah trying to do 25% less yes that's that's exactly it. Awareness is key to, to being able to doing things differently. And it's so possible to change this. And then the last one was just practicing self-compassion and understanding mm. the difference between self-compassion and self-esteem, which I think mm. is really such good food for thought. Yes. It's a really, um, the key researcher in the area of self-compassion is Kristen Neff, she is amazing and she's written a book which I would highly recommend called Self-Compassion and she, yeah, really explains this difference between self-esteem and self-compassion and demonstrates the research that if we solely operate from a place of self-esteem, that has been linked to higher levels of stress, anxiety and depression, including suicidal ideation, um, as opposed to if we operate from a place of self-compassion, that has been linked to lower levels of stress, anxiety, and depression. So, yeah, for anyone listening who's a bit unsure about, okay, well, how am I meant to have this relationship with myself or how do you do self-compassion, um, it really comes down to being aware of how you're talking to yourself in your mind and um, learning that the same way that you would talk to a friend or your children and be compassionate of their misgivings or mistakes, we need to do that for ourselves because our relationship with ourselves is just critical to anything else in our lives. And truly, it's the best gift that you can give to oh, someone that you're in a relationship with. Is yes. If you, if you nail the one that you're in with yourself, that's the best gift for them, but also the best for your kids because we're teaching them and I always think that just imagine the next generation if us as parents can really model self-care and self-compassion like it's really mm. going to change things for the next generation it gives them permission that's exactly it yeah self-compassion gives ourselves and others permission to be human because we mm. all are I love that well I think this is such a juicy topic and it's one that we could just continue unpacking for yes. hours and hours. But I do know that you're a busy woman and you're at work. Um, but 
I would love to have you back on the podcast to explore even more topics very, very soon. But in the meantime, for anyone wanting to learn more about you or your clinic, where can we find you? Where should people head? Yeah, so the best place to probably head is over at Instagram. I'm there as the women's psychologist and I'm there. I try to be there pretty consistently, uh, just sharing content around what we can do on a very practical level to look after our psychological well-being. I am based in northern New South Wales if anyone would like to book a session or I also do online consultations um, and you can find me on my website which is thewomenspsychologyclinic.com. And they can also find you at our next event, which is coming yes. up in November. I'm not sure when this podcast will go live. We might have even had the event by then. <laughs> um, but I am just such a fan of everything that you do, Dr. Oh, Libby. I really, really sweet. appreciate oh, the truth. having you, uh, you know, come to our event, speak on the podcast. And for anyone listening, jump over and give Libby a follow because her content is the sort of content that you need in your feed. <laughs> thank you so much Kylie it's just yeah My a pleasure. pleasure I think yeah so passionate to share all of this with women because we all deserve this absolutely and I will see you soon probably at the gym once I've yes but um yeah thank you so much for joining us Libby absolute pleasure thank you Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 